perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between So it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak life
I want to remind you all that um, the the lines are open. Remember, if you would like to comment, have a question for Rodney. Tonight we're going to interview Rodney. It's been a, been, been a while, and some of you may not may not know still that Rodney is an author. He has a book published and is working on a second book as well. So we'll even get into maybe a little bit of that, Rodney, and give him a little bit about that if you want to. Um, so we're going to interview Rodney tonight. He's still, I guess he's going to play, play, wear two hats tonight, I guess. <laughs> so he's not that typical guest. He's in between somewhere in there. There you go. So want to remind you all, hi, Samaria. Samaria is good. She's on her way home from work. Uh, she just left, so okay. she should be arriving shortly. Okay, okay, good. Well, want to remind you all um, of our trash can, baby. Let's just kind of keep that going. There's, there's, there's so much going on that can distract us and will distract us if we allow it. And we have to make sure that we are intentional with our living, owning who we are, um, not being moved by circumstances, people, places, things. Just do you. I've, I've been singing that song. I don't even know if it's appropriate, but there's this song. I don't know the name of it, but says something like, go ahead and do you, because I'm going to do me, some, 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 some. That's the only part I just keep singing. And um, I think if we learn to do that, even if even if you're wrong in you, and you, but you're realizing it, you're noticing it, then you have, um, you're ahead of the game because you know what you need to change. But if you're trying to avoid you and do somebody else or do life for someone else, and even with, with, the tie, with Rodney's book and the, and the title of it, so appropriate. Because so often I think we feel like, which the, the title of the book is Tired of Being Black, and I'm going to read the the uh, promotion part of it here in a minute. Um, but a lot of that, we'll get a lot out of it because with being black, we do wear the stereotypes. There's stereotypes for women, there's stereotypes for men, um, even based on age as well. So... We'll get into a lot of that tonight, but we want to remind you to move your trash can in order to promote transformation, promoting change, um, just learning how to adapt, not just adapt, but create change, force change in your life. Stop doing some of the things that you do. Stop thinking the way some, you know, thinking in the way that you think. So we ask you to move your trash can from one place to another, preferably move one that you used frequently. Um, in doing so, monitor how often you return. If you're normal like us, you'll notice that right off you're returning to its old location and allow that to, I guess, um, allow that to just simmer for a minute and ask yourself. Now, you know you've moved it, you moved it, but you go back to where you moved it from. And that's because we get so accustomed, we get used to our routine, used to our way of thinking, our way of doing, our way of being. Even in a, we get used to allowing things and people in our lives, we just go with the routine. And so that, as, as crazy as it sounds, um, that can even help you promote change in your life or at least think about what else am I doing or allowing just because it's how I've did it all along. It's how my mom did it, my dad did it, my grandmother did it. It's just what I know. And so it's what I'm going to do. 
But if you don't like the results of your life, then who's winning? Is it, are you really living? So do that. And if if you do, we've not heard any heard from anyone that has did that in quite a while or decided to do it. So if you do that, let us know your thoughts. Um, let us know how you feel, what you think when you do it, when you re- when you return to where you moved it from, um, and then start applying that again in your life. So, Rodney, um, we'll just get right into tonight's topic. Um, Anything you want to share before we get going? Uh, no, I'm just excited uh, to be the guest slash co-host tonight. I'm looking forward to um, to the discussion. I don't know what you're going to ask me or, or want to talk about. Okay. I okay. will apologize ahead of time. Uh, I got very sick last week, uh, the beginning of last week, and uh, I think it's one of those things that I'm going to be getting over for the next few weeks. So if you guys hear me call for anything like that, please forgive me. I'm just going to go ahead and put that disclaimer out there now. Oh, that's why you sound a little funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, between between getting sick last, last Monday and coaching basketball Wednesday and Friday last week, um, I don't know. I think my voice will last the whole show. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, I I, I have to start out um, with how I learned <laughs> of this book, which Rodney and I still don't quite understand this because Rodney, you still say that you were not on. You don't know what radio station I'm talking about. <laughs> that is that is correct. But you guys, I mean, there's no other way. I promise you, this, it happened just like this. Like I was, I was in my truck and I heard, um, well, I thought I heard um, an interview with Rodney about about the books, you know. And I thought, tired of being black. Wow, that's the 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 topic, the name of the book, is what drew me in. And that's ironic because. Rodney, just about everybody, even with doing the show, when people ask me, well, what are you doing the show on Monday? And when, and I would tell them, it did just the opposite. There's, there's, actually, there's not one person who said, who, who, who had an open mind, I guess, without, without having conversation first. Um, so they automatically kind of hear the title and think, oh, there's this, there has to be this black guy who don't want to be black and thinks he's white and, you know, that kind of thing, automatically, automatically. And that's something I think we do in life a lot as well. We prejudge um, based on our own paradigm, our own perception of life, how we know it. Again, which is why change is so important, and, and it's very important to, to open your life up to different things, different ways, even if it's something that, like like the book, like how do you know what it really is about until you read it. Even if you read it and, and, and not agree with anything, you've read it. You didn't judge it by the, the, the title of the book. So I wanted to, to get that out there, but um, it did just the opposite for me, and I, I can't say why. I don't know. I just felt like there has to be much more to this, and it, and it could be that Oftentimes I felt the same way. Like 
Not that you don't want to be black, but you're tired of fighting. You got to explain this. You have to explain, um, or not really explain, because I didn't really know how to explain, but Rodney having to explain uh, things that you shouldn't have to. And in, and in my case, I think the, mo- the, the most memorable is when I, I found out from one of my cousins um, how they really felt about me and why which was so stupid at the time, but just because of what they'd seen, what they thought they knew, and things like that. So you you feel like at some point you're fighting everywhere. You're fighting everybody everywhere. doesn't mean you don't want to be who you are or the color you are. So um, let me read the episode info here. It says, Never judge a book by its title. Tide of Being Black offers a fresh perspective on the struggles and stereotypes of the black race from a man who personified most of them growing up, but then turned his life around to become a school teacher, a basketball coach, motivational speaker, and a positive role model. In his literary work, Jordan draws heavily from his experiences growing up in an urban area largely defined by drugs, violence, teen pregnancy, and welfare. Jordan disrespected and rebelled against all authority figures in his life, which led him to being, led him being, to be forced out of his mother's home at the age of 12. Tired of Being Black exposes negative stereotypes that black males like the young Rodney Jordan often perpetuate through their actions, reactions, and lack of actions. So that is our episode info. So Rodney, I want to start out with, I guess the first thing is, what what inspired you most to write <laughs> Tired of Black? Uh, what do you think the one... Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I said, what do you think the, the main thing or that one thing, if you had to pull out one, what would you say inspired you the most? So... I saw a need for a fresh uh, perspective, a fresh voice um, within the the ears and the hearts and the minds of black people. Um, and there was a lot in me that I knew was controversial, um, that I knew um, that there would be backlash but at the same time, I also knew that it needed to get out. And because of that, I had no problem um, speaking or I had no problem um, writing the book, putting my thoughts down in the book. Um, so it basically comes down to there being a need um, for the conversation because I noticed the conversation was was totally different. Uh, the conversation was always getting away um, from the truth, the conversation was um, focused on or geared towards racism and the things that other races were doing to us, particularly whites. And my thing is, I don't doubt that racism still exists. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it that it does still exist. However, what about the things that we do to ourselves? And what about the things that we do to each other? We don't want to talk about those things, and we don't want to address those things. And every time somebody brings it up, um, 
we get offended and we find something wrong with it. Um, and we start talking about reverse racism and, you know, and, and this isn't fair and, and all of those things. But just because another race does something to our race, it doesn't give us the right to do it to each other. And we can't keep saying, well, why is it that it's a problem when our race does it or when we do it, but it's not a problem when other races do it? It it, it sort of reminds me of when, when I was growing up and I got in trouble, and the first thing I wanted to yell was, well, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so were doing it too, and I thought that was good enough, or I thought that was going to get me out of trouble. But what my mom always did was, <clears throat> I am not their mother, so don't tell me about what other kids are doing. I only want to know what you're doing. So when it comes to uh, the, I guess, the destruction of the black race or um, the profiling of the black race or the harm that is done to the black race, stop telling me about what other races are doing. Why is it that we continue to do these things to each other? Why is it okay for us to call each other the N-word? Why is it okay for us to exploit or allow our black males to be exploited in football and basketball Excuse me, especially in college sports. Why are all those things okay? Why is it okay to belittle black women in our music? Why is it okay to dress them inappropriately in videos for the sake of a dollar? Why are these why are these things okay? But then it's a problem when we feel like other races are doing the same thing. We can't be hypocrites in the matter. It has to be, if it's wrong, it's just wrong. And don't have an issue when somebody else does it to you, but you don't have a problem when you do it to you. And no, and not many black people wanted to have those conversations. And white people didn't want to have those conversations either because they were afraid of, what they were going to hear from black people. And so it's a conversation that needs to be had in addition to not erase, because I've never gotten away from the racial stereotype. I've never gotten away from racism or prejudice or injustice. I've never gotten away from those conversations. I have those conversations too. But I also don't neglect the conversations that need to be had from within our own race or our own culture. And I think most people are afraid to have both. What what are what are some of the struggles and stereotypes? Um, if you had to pick a, a few, what what would now? Let's go let's go back to let's go back to um, even even your childhood. If you can kind of remember. What were some of the struggles at that time um, and the stereotypes? And then do you find that you have 
those same still now even today same struggles and stereotypes now even more well i think back to when i was growing up and and one of the things that i used to do believe it or not was sag my pants um and i did that when i was in middle school uh for the most part <clears throat> And one of the things I tell the kids now is it's not that it's not only that it is tacky and it is trifling and it's unprofessional. However, it's uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. So any young man who tries to convince me that wearing his pants below his waist is anything other than uncomfortable, I let them know right off the bat, you're lying. Because there's nothing comfortable about walking around with your pants below your waist. I've done it. However, that goes along with the mindset that we have. We are willing to be uncomfortable for all the wrong reasons. We are willing to be uncomfortable at the expense of our maturity. We are willing to be uncomfortable at the expense of our progress. We are willing to be uncomfortable as long as as it gets us where we want to be with people who don't care anything about us. And so there's there's that issue. Um, and like I said, when it comes to the music, you have that problem. Um, you also have Stereotypes when it comes to church um, Where We are capitalizing On our people The same way people Capitalize on our ancestors In the name of religion Um, I think There are more Black men Taking care of their kids Than we are giving Credit for but it's still not enough um, I think that women are um, a lot further along than where they used to be. However, we have far too women, far too many women, still fitting the stereotype that black women are booty shaking, rump shaking females, and that's all they have to offer. Um, and we need to get away from those things. We need to we, we need to move away from them. We need to move away from being okay with going to prison or um, being the drug dealers. Um, and, and, and not only that, but just selling it to each other. We, we, we have to be okay with that. I mean, we, I'm sorry, not okay with it, but we, but we have to be okay with 
moving away from it. But right now we're not. Right now we're not. Right, I really like how you put uncomfortable, meet people are willing to be uncomfortable, but for the wrong reasons. Why, why, why do you think that is so? What, what do you think the, the deep, the root of that is? Well, I think because their uncomfort makes them comfort in their insecurities. Makes them comfortable. And their insecurities. Their uncomfort because makes them comfortable in their insecurities. Makes them um, right. Makes them comfortable in makes it makes them comfortable in their insecurities. Well, that's a tweetable moment. Tweet tweet. If I had it, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of people act from within. In fact, I think we all do. Very seldom do we act from things that are that are on the outside. A lot of times, our words and our actions, our words and our actions, are a reflection of what's in our hearts, what's in our minds. And a lot of times, we make decisions based on our insecurities. We make decisions based on our immaturity. We make decisions based on something somebody said or did to us 10 or 20 years ago. Or we make decisions based on the love or the attention or the affection we're not getting at home. And so we go out into public looking for those things, and so we do whatever it takes in order to get that attention. Because of that, you see young men going out and finding ways to be complimented by guys. So they need the Jordans. They need whatever clothes are in style at the time. They need those things because they're not getting any attention at home. So they need that validation. It's the same thing when it comes to sports Think about this We have I don't know how many But I'm going to guess in the thousands Of historically black colleges And universities At one point in our In our history We were not Even allowed to go to school or to get an education, to learn how to read and write and do arithmetic. We were either killed or we were beaten badly or we were sold. We were punished in some sort of way. But then that changed, and now we have thousands of these, we have thousands of HBCUs. But instead of going to HBCUs, instead of our black males taking their talents to an HBCU, they take them to white or predominantly white universities. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but what I am saying is this. Why is it that our top athletes have a a problem with or don't want to go 
to an HBCU. If they can make Penn State University $65 million a a football season for six home games, why not do the same thing for Delaware State? Why not do the same thing for Alcorn State? Why not do that for Grambling and Southern? But we allow them to be exploited. Parents, coaches, the players themselves. Why is it that they don't go to HBCUs? Why is it that we claim that we have such a problem with this oppression that we feel from white people, but the same white people that we claim are oppressing us, we don't have a problem with making them rich. If we really want to make a change, we really want to make a difference, we really want our voice to be heard, Whoever you think the enemy is, hit them where it hurts the most, in their pockets. Hit them in their pockets. If the top football players, and most of them are black usually, top basketball players, most of them are black usually, if they all decided, you know what, we're no longer going to Duke, North Carolina, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Alabama. We're going to these smaller black schools. It would change the face of college sports. And I'm going to jump out there and say it would make a lot of people mad. It would make a lot of people mad. Why? Because then those universities would be facing the struggles that these HBCUs often face. And then it would be them reaching out to other people, saying, hey, can you give us X amount of dollars to keep our university open? What I was a this guy asked me the other day, who do I root for in college basketball? I said, to be honest with you, I root for Norfolk State, and I told him I'm not one of those people who has a college team that I never went to, have no affiliation with, that I root for. I used to root for North Carolina. But what made me stop rooting for North Carolina was a few years ago when they got caught up in an academic scandal and they fired the the whistleblower who was a professor at the school. Now, granted, every school or just about every school in college is believed to be doing the same thing, where you had a kid turning a a term paper that was half of a page, single space, and he got an A-minus. 
It's not helping that kid. It's an insult to me and everybody else who went to school and stayed up late or did whatever we had to do to get our work done. It's an insult. And you mean to tell me that because this kid has a jump shot, it's okay for him not to go to school and put in the same time and effort that I did? No, that's not okay. There was a kid that came out um, a year or two after this whole scandal broke at UNC. And he said he went to school one time during the semester. And he made the dean's list. That's an insult to everybody who busts their butts to make their dean's list. It's not an easy thing to do. But, hey, this kid is only going to be here for a year. Let's make, let's make life real comfortable for him because he's going to bring in billions of dollars for us this year. We'll pay his tuition, which might be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, maybe a little bit more. <clears throat> we'll pay his tuition for one year because that's how long he's going to be here. And Ronnie, to me, that's think- just not okay. Go ahead, Tammy. You think you you mentioned about growing up in um, your area where there was violence, uh, the majority of people on welfare and drugs and things like that. How did your environment, or did well, it did. We know that, but how did it influence your lack thereof? How did it influence you? And then the second part of that, what was your wake up from? So growing up, I always wanted more than what my parents had or what they had to offer me, what my family had to offer me. Uh, I was was one of ten kids who lived in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom duplex. Um, There were 16 of us total living there. Ten kids and six adults. And I knew that just wasn't the life that I wanted for myself. Um, however, I did allow things in the neighborhood, people in the neighborhood, or at school or wherever the case may be, I did allow people and things to influence me. Um, but in my mind, I always knew that I would never go so far that I could not come back. That was always in the back of my mind. I was willing to try things. I was willing to do things. I was willing to be um, that stereotypical black male um, at the time. Um, And in Norfolk, uh, where I grew up, the stereotypical black male kid, you showed up at school, pants hanging down, you sat in the back of the class, you didn't do anything, you cracked jokes, uh, tried to impress girls, you gambled a little bit, um, you did everything except for what you were supposed to be doing while you were at school. Um, and a lot of that was influenced by the people I was around and the fact that I just never thought I was getting the attention that I wanted at home. Um, and so 
that carried over, and it was easily it was easy for me to be influenced uh, when I was at school or when when I wasn't at home because I did a lot of bad things in the neighborhood too. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to finish high school. I always knew that I wanted to grow up and want and I wanted to be successful. I always knew that no matter what I did, I wasn't going to go so far that I couldn't come back. Meaning, if I was going to try weed, I was not going to do crack cocaine. I wasn't going to do heroin, things like that. If I got involved in fights, I was never going to have a knife with me or never have a gun. Like, I wasn't going to go that far. Um, So no matter what I did, like, if I stole candy from a store, I was never going to, like, commit armed robbery. So there were there were always limits um, to the things that I did, and the guys that I grew up around, um, they knew that I wasn't about the life that they were about. Uh, they were on that path to prison, and they knew it, and they didn't care. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, there were uh, many days when my friends were arrested by the city police right in the cafeteria. And then I wouldn't see them for three weeks or wouldn't see them for a month. Um, But the wake-up call still will say came when I met my 10th grade um, U.S. history teacher, Mr. Wilson. I'll never forget that man. And he challenged me. Um, He did a a number of different things that year, um, starting with, Back then, a 70 was the lowest D you could have. And I remember getting a 69.3. And I was like, man, you can give me those tenths of a point so that I can have a D. And he looked at me and he said, you will work for everything you get in this class. I don't even care if it's a D. He said, if you want a D, you don't earn it in this class. And in my mind, because I was like such a resilient person, and such a competitive person that what you're not about to do, tell me what I can't do or tell me, oh, if you want a D, you're going to earn it. No, I'm going to show you that I'm not the dummy that you think I am. And the whole time, he knew I wasn't a dummy. It was just in my mind, he's like, oh, he just tried to play me. And I said I was going to finish his class with an A, and I did. And I think that was his point the whole time. That was his goal the whole time. Um, and another time that year, he wrote me up. Uh, he wrote me a referral, and I ended up getting uh, in-school detention for a day for calling him a man. And what he put on the referral was I called him out of his name. And I was like, man, like, you tripping. And he was like, my neck is not man. He was like, and I told you stop calling me man. <clears throat> and the time that he wrote me up, something happened in class. And, like, we were, like, really into this lesson, and I got it wrong, but I wasn't, like, off, like, by that much. I was like, Come on, man. And then as soon as I said it, he was like, told you not to call me man again. And he wrote me up and he wrote on the referral, called me out of my name. And I was like, God, dog it. So just things like that. Like, he always found ways to, like, teach me a lesson. And by the end of the year, like, this is, like, my favorite teacher of all time. And still is. Love, love that man to death. But I would say that he was very influential. I will back up, though. Um, when I was 12 years old, um, that was probably the turning point in my life, even though things didn't completely 
turn, but it was things started to turn, and that was um, when my mom sent me to live with my dad. Um, and that was, it was, I guess, um, I guess if I had cared at the time, it probably would have bothered me, but I was like, eh, whatever. Let me go. And I did. And, um, but that ended up being the turning point of my life because things slowly started to, uh, to change. And ultimately they did. <laughs> Remind our listeners that the line phone lines are open if you have a question or a comment. We're we're talking with our one and only Mr. Evolution, Rodney Jordan, um here tonight about his book, Tired of Being Black. And again, that's written by Rodney Jordan. Rodney, tell the people how they can can uh, purchase the book. So if you would like to purchase uh the book, Tired of Being Black uh, it is going on five years um, in publication. Um, I, I will say I'm proud about that. You can purchase the book through any uh, book retailer, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Google, um, any book retailer. Uh, you can purchase the book. You can also go through the uh, company, um, that I self-published with, and that is iUniverse. If you go to their website, it's a lowercase i and then the word universe. It's all one word. <clears throat> or um, if you want to contact me directly um, at jordanliterature at gmail.com, uh, we can uh, definitely uh, take care of uh, – we can definitely take care of you there. So if you Ronnie, want to what's book, the best? I always no like to ask what's the best – Wait, what what helps you the most? Like, does it help to come to you directly to purchase the books? Because if so, that's 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 the way we want to lead the people. Does it help you um, if they con if they contact you and purchase the book directly from you? Is the, that more beneficial? Uh, the way the way that it helps me the most is just by people reading it. <laughs> but uh, but seriously, if you go through iUniverse. That's actually the most beneficial uh, because um, I'll share this real quick, Tammy, to anybody who's trying to publish a book. Um, please feel free to uh, reach out to me um, because I will save you a lot of headaches and heartaches and uh, definitely a lot of money. So here's the thing: when when um, when I published. Child of Being Black, and see you guys out there who are looking to publish. So I paid a lot of money to publish through this company, iUniverse. And what they said was that I would get 20% royalties for every sale. I know, it sounds crazy, 20%. I thought that was very low, <clears throat> considering the fact that I'm the, work, the one who did all the work, I'm the one who wrote the book. But as I researched, Every company that was similar, that was what they were giving people, 20%. So I said, well, maybe I just don't know enough about the industry. Maybe this is just uh, the standard. Maybe this is how it's supposed to go. Well, what they didn't tell me was that the, um, I get 20% of the sale price, meaning if the only way I get so my book is retailed at ten ninety five 
um, through our universe. The only time I get 20% of 1095 is when somebody purchases from our universe. The way they made it seem like to me was every time my book was sold, I would get 20% of 1095. So here's what happens. Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, any book company you can think of, they um, don't pay full price for books when they uh, get them from the publisher. So I noticed on Barnes and Noble's website and on Amazon's website, if I looked up my book, it had my book listed for a dollar fifty cents, a dollar sixty cents, dollar seventy cents cheaper. And it would say, hey, if you buy this book with us, you'll save a dollar and some change. Well, here's why they can tell you that you're saving a dollar and some change. Barnes & Noble, through whatever agreement they had with with iUniverse, and it's not just my book, it's every book that they purchased, where they did not pay full price. So right now, if you were to go to Amazon and order my book, I'm not sure what the going rate is now, but a couple years ago it was, you went to Amazon, it was $9, let's say the book cost $9.03 on Amazon, because I do remember seeing that one time. Well, it wasn't that people were getting a deal. Amazon only pays about $5 for every copy of my book that they get from our universe. So Amazon doesn't pay ten ninety five. Amazon only pays about 4 or $5 for my book if somebody orders through Amazon. So when you purchase through Amazon, I don't get 20% of 1095. I get 20% of whatever Amazon pays. So instead of getting $2 and some change for every sale, I've only gotten like a dollar for every sale because I get 20% of the $5 that Amazon paid for the book or that Barnes Noble paid for the book rather than 20% of the retail price. So for those of you guys out there looking to publish, please keep that in mind. No matter what they tell you, um, it's what the book is sold for. And a lot of times your publisher doesn't sell the book to other book retailers at retail price. However, you can publish the book yourself and get a minimum of 70% royalties, sometimes 80%, and there's no middleman. Okay. Good information. Good information. I, I don't I don't think I knew that either. I think I've heard you talk about that, but I didn't realize it was, uh, that's pretty crucial. Oh, yeah, they rip you off. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. why from now on, the first thing, uh, like you hit, uh, you talked about earlier, Tammy, me working on a book now. I'm working on my first novel. 
the first thing I will do is publish it directly to um, the Kindle, publish it to the Nook, um, where I can set my own pricing, my own uh, determine my own royalties. I can do everything myself, um, and instead of getting paid twenty um, percent. Uh, I'm sorry, 50% for an e-book where I'm only going to get about a dollar and change or $2 off of a $4 book. If I um, do it myself and do it directly to Amazon Kindle, let's say Tired of Being Black was $3.99 and I got 50% of that, which is $2. If I do it myself, um, and get seventy, eighty percent. I'll get over well over three dollars for every book that sold. Which for my novel, it might be more than that, but we'll see. And then from there, see if I um, am able to land a book deal. Um, and if I'm not, then no one's name will be on my book except mine. So I'll be. And I'm going to do this anyway, but it'll be it'll say Jordan Publishing on the book, um, as opposed to somebody else's name being there. Okay, okay. So for all you up and coming authors, remember take that down. But for now, you can iUniverse.com. Correct, Rodney? iUniverse, lowercase iUniverse.com, to purchase the book. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay, now you mentioned that you your your mom said you got to go, you got to get out of here, and that was mostly because of behavior. You said you kind of turned rebellious and doing some things. How did life change for you? Was the environment different at your dad's? If so, did that change? So, um, when I left my mom's, again it was. Uh, ten kids, six adults, sixteen of us living in a two bedroom, one bathroom. I went from that environment to being the only kid. Uh, and, and let me back up. So, and also with my mom, I lived in, let's just say, the hood. Uh, drugs, guns, violence—you name it—it it was there. Uh, people getting shot all the time. Um. It was all in that neighborhood. Um, it was an inner city um, area. And when I went to go live with my dad, it was like the opposite. So there was one child in the house, and that was me. And there were three adults, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather. And we lived in rural Virginia Beach for the people who've been there, not just the, the beach, the ocean front. But there were no kids in the neighborhood. There were no drug dealers in the neighborhood unless, they, you know, they were just hiding out somewhere. But there were no drug dealers. There were no guns unless people were hunting. So it was a completely different environment. And my grandmother, uh, where where I had to actually put in work and living with my mom, my grandmother did everything. Um, for me when I went to go live with them with the exception of cleaning my room and my tracing behind didn't even clean my room 
But my grandmother did everything except clean my room. Like, I had breakfast every morning, like, from scratch, every morning before, before I went to school. Um, same thing when it came to dinner. Like, I had home-cooked meals every day where, as when I was living with my mom, like, it was a scramble for food every day because we were poor. Um, and living off government assistance, whereas my with my grandmother, like, everybody got up, they went to work, they had great-paying jobs, um, everything was good. And so uh, two totally different worlds. <clears throat> I didn't like that lifestyle, obviously, because I wasn't used to it. And now I look back and like, man, I had, I had, it, I had it good. Um, but it, like, I, I needed to be back, like, in the hood. <laughs> so <laughs> um, my dad and my stepmom were separated at the time. So after a year <clears throat> in Virginia Beach, um, with my dad, grandmother, and grandfather. Uh, my dad and my stepmom got back together, and so I ended up moving back to Norfolk with them to a different bad neighborhood, but this time things were different. Um, they kept us away, my stepbrother and I, so now it's just my dad, my stepmom, my stepbrother and myself, and this is the way that it was uh, all through our high school. And my stepmom um, got me back into church. I went to church growing up when I was with my mom, but not with my mom. I went with one of my uncles and um, and his wife and, and their two kids, my, my cousins, who are very close to me now. But my living with my stepmom got me back into church um, because we went all the time. Uh, Sunday service, choir rehearsals, Bible study, you name it. We were there. The church was open. And even though we lived in a bad neighborhood, um, we were not around or even allowed to be around um, the negativity. And if we tried to, then my stepmom quickly just snatched us back up. Um, And so... From that point on, like, even though there were still some struggles, I went on to graduate from high school, and then I started college, and after my first year of college, I had a 1.7 GPA, and I literally had to have a conversation with myself, and I had to make a decision. Either I was going to give it all I had, and pull my grades up or there was no sense in me wasting time or money going to school. And so um, I decided to stay in and got my act together. Um, But then right before I was going to graduate, I want to say three semesters before graduation, um, things got really rocky at home. Um, and I ended up getting married and dropping out of college. And then after um, I did that, I stayed out of school for a year and a half, um, but then went back because it was always, like, in my heart and on my mind to finish, (laughs) even though nobody uh, thought that I would. So I went back to school, I finished, and got a job teaching, and that's when I moved here to Northern Virginia. 
Right. Rodney, how has how has your teacher now? Um, you mentioned early on for those of you who came on late that you once was a sagger as well. You sagged your pants and 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 did uh, some of the things that we that a lot of our young people uh, tend to to go towards now. How how does with writing the book? Um, going through what you went through, you know, coming up, writing the book and being in a position now as a teacher, how does it help you? And how do your students respond to knowing that? Um, Well, what I've noticed is that I tend to get respect that other people don't get. Um, And... I'm not exactly sure why, but I do know that I don't try to be invisible to the kids or or act like I'm invisible. Um, I try to maintain my humanity. I let them know that I make mistakes (laughs) even now. And when I do, I don't have a problem with saying I'm sorry uh, to them. And I think that's a big uh, shocker to them. Um, and they let me know that. Um, and at the same time, I don't act like I'm above them. So the um, so you know when I when I talk to the kids, if they are being disrespectful or being defiant or um, having issues one of the first things I'll ask them is, well, when is the last time I disrespected you? And they'll say, never. And then I'll say, well, why is it that you're disrespecting me? If I've never disrespected you, why are you disrespecting And it makes them think. And I also try to remember how old they are and what it's like at their age. So I'm going to always be tough on them. But at the same time, I never, um, I'm I'm what is considered an elective teacher now. But even when I was a reading teacher, a social studies teacher, I didn't give out homework most days. And the reason was, one, I was that confident in my teaching because I knew that I broke things all the way down so that everybody in the class could understand. But not only that, we reviewed everything every day. So there is no excuse for you not getting the information. And then on top of that, There's no 11-year-old that wants to be in school for seven hours a day and then leave and have to go home and work for another hour or two. You're asking a lot from 11 and 12-year-olds because most adults can't do that or don't want to. So why put them in that position? And so um, I think because of that, they see me in a different light. 
They see me as somebody who wants them to progress, somebody who wants them to not just have a lot of potential but actually reach that potential. Um, Today, um, no, I'm sorry, (laughs) last Thursday, I got an email um, from a teacher who has three basketball, three of my basketball players in his class. And what he said was that they fell asleep in class. Um, they put their hair down or whatever it was. And so one of them was a starter on the, on, on the basketball team. The other one was one of the first people off the bench. And the guy who normally starts, he didn't start Friday. And the guy who's normally off the bench, he didn't get in either. They both got the they both had to sit out the first quarter. And they were both upset. But what they did was they went back to class today. They didn't put their hands down. They didn't fall asleep. They were very respectful to the teacher. They were very engaged. And the teacher emailed me and let me know that too. So when we got to practice today, I made a big deal in front of everybody about how they had bounced back from the bad day they had last week, whereas last week when they had a bad day, I didn't say anything to them in front of everybody else. And after I did that, They had a really good practice, and even the teacher who um, sent me the emails came down and watched the last half of practice. And it's because of things like that, um, the kids continue to give me their respect. And then they also know that even if you have a really good reason for not being in practice, like you're sick. I get it, but if you're not at practice the day before, you don't start the next day. And because they see, hey, maybe this guy doesn't make the best choices or maybe he doesn't make all the right choices, but he's always fair. And he's always doing what he thinks is right for us. And I do the same thing in the classroom. Um, as I do on the basketball court. And because of that, I've gotten positive responses from both the players um, and their parents, the staff members at the school, even the school board members. Um, So I'm definitely appreciative of the things that I've endured uh, throughout my lifetime. Okay, Rodney, and we can make this, I, I hear it in your voice, you seem to be getting worse as we go, and it, I'm sure that's just because you're talking. But we can, unless you have something else to add, certainly feel free. But I want to ask about the title of the book. And then um, my, one of my favorites from the book, because I, I didn't go back and read, read the book, but I remember, and I hope I remember this correctly, what I, what I or maybe it was a show, but the um, part about, well, well, talk about the title first. How how did you, like, what was the bell ringer for this one? Like, because, again, 
most everyone that hears the title from my from my area from my perspective, you know, they they instantly think, oh well, well he you know go ahead he doesn't need to be black he doesn't have to be black. How did you come up with this title, and how did where did you get the guts from to say this is it? So to to, to any and everyone listening who has done what you said don't do and that is judge a book by its cover <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to say please don't be ignorant um, the The title has nothing to do with um, my lack of desire to be black the title has nothing to do with me being ashamed the title has nothing to do with um, me lo- no longer um wanting to be associated with um, my race um, or anything of of that nature. The title simply came to me one day when I was writing the content of the book uh, while I was sitting on the couch uh, because I hadn't uh, developed the title for the book before I started writing it. I just knew that I wanted to write and I knew what, what I wanted to write and so I started writing. And I just figured that the title would come to me. And so when the title, Tired of Being Black, came to me, um, I thought about it. And it didn't take me long, but I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? That's very catchy. That's very creative. And it's also very fitting. Now, I'm one of those people that I am creative. I use symbolism. I use imagery. I use similes. I use metaphors. I use all types of figurative language. I use different things. And so... To me, tired of being black, if you read the book, it's not necessarily me saying, hey, I'm tired of being black because I no longer want to be associated with black people. The title, tired of being black, simply means I don't want to be, nor do I want anyone else to be affiliated with the stereotypes and the struggles that come along with being black, I also don't want people to look at me and make decisions or put me in a box or put me in categories because I am black. And I'll go ahead and spill this. Uh, and that's why the the last chapter it says, don't call me black anymore. Call me the name that my parents gave me, Rodney. Because when people, as much as we say we don't do it, when people start calling you things other than your name, start stereotyping you. <clears throat> they start categorizing you. When the moment somebody knows that you're black, all of a sudden you become ten things that you may or may not be. You might just be a thug if you're a black male. You might just have kids that you don't take care of if you're a black male. You might just be a convicted felon if you're a black male. You might not know how to read if you're a black male. Don't put me in categories. I'm tired of being labeled. But I'm tired of people doing it for no reason, and I'm also tired of people giving other races a reason to identify me with things that are probably not me. So when I say tired of being black, it's not tired of being 
my race. It's not tired of living in my skin color. It is simply mean. It is simply me just trying to move away from negative stereotypes and struggles that come along with the word black. That's all it means. It means I'm tired of people, tired of black people calling other black people the N-word. It means that I'm tired of people trying to figure out whether or not to call me black or African-American. It means that I'm tired of only celebrating, not everybody, but I'm tired of black people only only celebrating black history 28 days a year. It means that I'm tired of black males making people wealthy but those people caring whether or not they get an education. It means I'm tired of the foolishness that goes on in black churches. It means that I'm tired of black men not being able to date outside of their race without being looked at funny or black women dating outside of their race and not being judged. Or, like in my wife's case, black women still having struggles that they've been fighting to get rid of for hundreds of years. Like when you think about the movie Hidden Figures, why is it that we're just learning about that story in 2017? And they rolled that lady out on the stage. Wasn't she 80 or 90-something years old? 90, uh, <clears throat> last night at the Oscars. That's crazy to me. But I think that we as black people need to accept our responsibility <clears throat> in bringing our race out of the dark hole that it's in. I get it. Things are not fair. Things are not equal. But as long as we keep giving people a reason to look at us a certain way, that's just the way it is. We have to accept the fact that In order to gain equality, we have to be willing to make up the time that has been lost, the money that has been lost, the energy that has been lost. We have to understand that in order for things to be equal, we have to first understand that it didn't start out equal. We have more ground to cover. Think of it this way, for those of you who are familiar with sports. If not, I'll try to relate it to something else. But let's say you are on the 20-yard line, right? That means you have 80 yards to go to score a touchdown. 
if I start on the 10-yard line and I think, well, if all Tammy had to do was go 80 yards to get a touchdown, then all I should have to do is go 80 yards and score a touchdown. That is true if I start from the 20-yard line. But if I start from the 10-yard line and I go 80 yards, guess what? I'm 10 yards short. I got to make up the 10 yards that you had to begin with that I didn't have. And we we can't make up that 10 yards because we're so focused on the fact that it should have never been there in the first place. Maybe so. But that's not helping the situation. Make up the 10 yards that the other side was given that you weren't given, and then when you're both in the end zone and say, hey, now the score is even. Now let's talk about this. We're going to start at the same point next time because now you say, hey, I've proven that I can score too. Think about finance. Think about it from a money perspective. If you start off with a half million dollars in the bank, you start off with $500,000 in the bank, all you need is another $500,000 to be a millionaire. Well, if I have $100,000 in the bank, another five hundred only gives me 600000 But we're so focused on the fact that, hey, we made the same progress, but I'm still behind you. Yeah, that's the way that it is. So why not say, you know what, I get that I have to work harder, but I'm going to work harder now we're on the same playing field. Why, why focus on what is or what should be or what could be when we could be focusing on what has to be? The people who were who came before us, imagine if they had the mentality that we have now. Well, I'm not doing it anymore because they don't have to do it anymore. Well, I'm going to take the day off because they get to take the day off. I'm going to walk around with a gun because they walk around with a gun. Where is that getting us? <laughs> It's only feeding an enemy. It's only supporting an enemy that we claim we're trying to destroy. And like I said before, Tammy, I believe it on the show, you cannot defeat an enemy that you support. Can't defeat him. And that's why we say don't judge a book by its by its cover or its title. <laughs> this is why. So I hope that people will go out and support you, Rodney, and purchase the book again, um, iUniverse.com, Tired of Being Black by Rodney Jordan. Um, you answered the question. You actually touched on one of the things I was going to mention about the book, so we're good there, but... 
Again, good people don't judge a book by its cover, by its title, and we have to be willing to, like Rodney said, we don't want to have the conversation. Black people don't want to have it. White people don't want to have it. We're offended by it. But most cases, most times when you are offended by something, there's something there for you. There's something that you need or you need to give. And, Rodney, I see it as that you took your lemons and you made lemonade. That's why you are a better teacher. You understand them. You can say, when is the last time I disrespected you? Because you understand you've walked in their shoes. Maybe not their shoes, but you've been there. You've done that. And then you've also taken what was given, sometimes not given, what you chose, and you decided to change it. And here you are, speaking, writing, motivating the kids um, like no other teacher. So, or very few, I should say. So, thank you for being a part of our lives, especially the lives of the children. And we hope you get better. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I will. Tamari is picking it up now, so... <laughs> Yeah, I I thought I heard heard her coughing back there too. Yeah, there's a whole lot, but it's all good. I do I do want to share this last thing, uh, Tammy, when it when it comes to uh, writing this book. Um, I do want to say that it has been very beneficial um, in writing this book because in in writing this book and also writing the book uh, that I wrote from the heart of a teacher. Mm-hmm. In being an author, I've been exposed to a world that I've always wanted that I just didn't know how I was going to uh, be a part of. Um, and I've been interviewed on the radio a number of times, um, including uh, the Butterfly Evolution Show and now I'm co-hosting with you. Uh, but also on probably about, I'm sure, at least 12 different radio broadcasts. I've had interviews with people like Sybil Wilkes of the Time Jordan Morning Show. Um, I've been featured in uh, major newspapers like uh, the Chicago Tribune. Um, I've been on local and international TV. Um, I've been in magazines. Um I'm now uh, being presented opportunities to be a keynote speaker at different uh, events. Um, I've I've been to different schools speaking. Um, I've just been afforded a lot of opportunities off of writing one book. Um, I'm sorry, writing two books, really, but this book has got me more attention than the other book. Um, I've been a panelist at Al Sharpton's um, Education Summit. I've hosted my own Education Summit. Um, so just just so many things um, have happened because I decided to write my first book, which was Tired of Being Black. And so to anyone who's listening, <clears throat> Please know that the scripture that says your gift will make room for you, please know that it will come to pass if you allow your gift to make room for you. 
whatever your gift may be. And if you know that you have a gift, don't fight it. I know a lot of times, like when I was in church, people who were uh, really good at singing, they never wanted to sing. Never wanted to sing. Um, And to be honest, being a writer just wasn't on my mind. Like, oh, I want to be a professional writer. But I was I was good at writing, and I always got good grades on writing assignments. And so I was like, you know what? <laughs> let me put this to some use, because I wanted to write a book anyway. But I was like, let me put this to some use. And and so I did. And so while it wasn't on my mind to be a professional writer or to be um, an author, because I um, did it, stepped out on faith and just allowed um, things to manifest, a lot of doors have opened. And I only... See them continue to open So to anyone out there who's listening um, Please know that your gift Will make room for you Well Ronnie thank you so much And you know it's sad But from the heart of, heart of a teacher you I said one book but you pe- Good people there are two um, So there you have it and, and the second one From the heart of a teacher Now that one is the same same Way to purchase it Should they go on our universe, or did you do that when you're on your own? Uh, so from the heart of a teacher, um, that one I did on my own. So um, the ebook, you can just go, excuse me, straight to the um, to the sites, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. If you want the paperback uh, book, you have to go to www.lulu.com. <laughs> That's www.lulu.com um, And I actually do receive More In royalties for the Paperback copies that are sold uh, Through lulu.com um, In fact it's about a $4 difference For each copy that is sold um, But I definitely did the Second book uh, Myself and uh, my novel, unless I land a book deal, um, I don't care how many books I sell, I'm going to publish it myself unless I land a book deal. Okay. Well, there you have it, good people. Rodney, thank you. We're going we're gonna to close out. Um, if there are no questions, comments, uh, for those of you who are still on with us, select the number one. Now is your time to get it in, get it out. If not, we're going to let Rodney ease his <laughs> situation, I guess we would say. But thank you, Rodney. Um, again, if you have not read the book, if you've not purchased it, please go on iUniverse.com and just put in the search engine, I'm sure, tired of being black or Rodney's name, Rodney Jordan, and you should be able to locate it. If you have any problems, Rodney, uh, Jordan Liter- Jordan Literature. Give the email. Give the website or the email address out again for you. Uh, so the email address is www. 
uh, I'm sorry, the email address is Jordan Literature, J O R D A N L I T E R A T U R E at Gmail dot com. Jordan Literature at Gmail dot com. Um and Tamaria uh wanted me to I guess discuss the difference um in getting a a, a book deal and what that means is you have um accumulated enough sales to where in uh a book agent um, wants to um, take on your work and solicit it to traditional um, book publishing companies like HarperCollins, uh, Simon & Schuster, uh, people like that. And normally it takes takes 5,000 sales or more, um, and sometimes you can actually – um, do that in pre-sales, um, and a lot of times, you know, if you're if you make the bestseller list, chances are uh, you will get noticed, and so um, those usually come uh, with with different prices. Um, but the lowest that I've heard of anyone offering you um, for a book deal is two hundred fifty thousand dollars in advance royalty doesn't mean that it's the end. It just means that um, that's what they're giving you. Um, And sometimes if you just have a following of over 5,000 people, um, they will offer you a book deal because they think that they can market your book and and get those uh, sales back. So uh, just keep that in mind. Um, one thing that happens that I really can't stand, but people do it, um, is um, when people send me or when people start following me or request to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, um, and they do it, and then the moment I follow them back, they um, unfollow me. And so it boosts their numbers but then it doesn't do anything for mine because they follow me and then they unfollow me. And so about a year ago, I picked up on this. And so um, now when people follow me, I immediately go to their page. And if they already have 30,000 followers um, or 100,000 followers, um, I know that they are just trying to make me another number. And so I immediately um, just exit out of it and and don't follow them back. And I will say 100% of the time I turn out to be right because none of those people are following me today. And usually it only lasts a couple of days anyway, and then they unfollow me because their their sole purpose is to build their following um, so that they can benefit when they go to market their product or their service for themselves they can say, hey, this many people follow me. So since this many people follow me, I shouldn't have a hard time um, selling this material because people in the entertainment industry, um, whether it be sports, uh, um, music, they get their money up front. Now, whether or not they get another check, depends on what happens after the people give them the first check. That's why a lot of times people are one-hit wonders 
and that is because they do whatever they need to do and they get their first check, and then uh, the, the company doesn't regain their money, and so they know that they can't offer them another deal. So just keep that in mind uh, to anybody who's out there looking to make moves, whether it be music, uh, art, um, sports, writing books. It doesn't matter. Just keep those things in mind. Uh, Tammy, I I must say thank you so very much for uh, interviewing me, and I'm looking forward to the the next show. Uh, Wednesday kicks off. Uh, Women's History Month So uh, <laughs> We'll see what we do with that uh, But to everyone who uh, Tuned in tonight We appreciate you guys so much um, We hope that you guys Have a blessed week And uh, make sure that you dress Appropriately when you go outside Because the weather is a little Confused um, <laughs> But uh, Please stay safe have a blessed week, everybody. And as always, this goes out to Cousin Diane down in Atlanta who listens to the Butterfly Evolution show faithfully and is usually on before Tammy and I even uh, get on. So we love you guys and have a great night.
A long time coming, but I know. 